0: What's going on everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome to the Rise of the Young Podcast. Today, episode 70, we have someone that I'm super pumped up to get on. His story is phenomenal. Alex Benayan. We are in LA right now. We're at his office and I'm super pumped up for this interview, man. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely, man. So before we get into it, funny story, everyone. So I found Alex through Dramas Podcast, which I know a lot of you guys are familiar with. We've been connected for the last month or so, DMing back and forth and we're currently in LA, like I said, and we're making it happen, and its I'm just telling you guys, if you have not heard Drama's podcast already about Alex, listen to this entire thing, because the story behind it is insane. He just came out with his new book, The Third Door, which he'll touch on more about, but I'm just telling you, listen to this entire thing, it's gonna be long, and I really want you guys to just think about... What happened throughout his journey because it's literally going to transform your entire thought process to what's possible So I just wanted to put that out there again, Alex. Thanks so much for coming Thank on you, man Absolutely, so before we get started everyone Let's kind of just fill them in so they know all right who are they listening to what's happening I told them about your book, but who what's what's currently happening in your life, Alex? So for the past seven
1: years. I've pretty much been committed to one mission when I was 18. I had this idea of what if I go out and track down some of the world's most successful people so, you know, for business, Bill Gates, for poetry, Maya Angelou, music, yeah. Lady Gaga, you know, Larry King, Steve Wozniak, Gene Goodall, Quincy Jones. And if they all come together, you know, not for press, not to promote anything, but really yeah. to share their best wisdom with the next generation, I really believe people could do so much more. So that's been the journey, and the book finally just came out a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Crazy. Um it just, you know, became a national bestseller, which I'm really yep. excited about, and it feels like we're just getting started.
0: Definitely. Well, well, he said eight years. This has been an eight-year process for everyone listening. Almost seven, almost Seven, eight, eight, eight yeah. years. He's been dedicating his life to traveling, meeting some of the world's most successful people, actually meeting them, learning from them, and then packaging it into your new book, which is The Third Door, just exactly. to catch people up. Well, I'm excited to get into this, everyone, and for everyone listening, make sure, like I said, listen to this because it's just we're just about to dive in. But for everyone listening, where did that before that entire seven-year process of trying to find the world's most successful people and tracking them down? It's, it seems like a scavenger almost. Just, where, where are you <laughs> from, time, man? Yeah. Like, what, what's like the, the ground roots of where you're from?
1: So I grew up in L.A., but to really understand where I'm from, you have to know that you know I'm the son of Persian Jewish immigrants. So, my family left Iran about 35 years ago. And, you know, they came to America as immigrants, you know, really as refugees. And when I was born, like many Jewish immigrants, I came out of the womb. My mom cradled me in her arms and then she stamped MD on my ass and sent me on my way. (laughs) So, you know, in high school, I took biology classes. I went to pre med summer camp. And by, you know, the time I got to college, I'm the pre med of pre meds. And you have to understand, like this wasn't just a major for me; it was my whole identity. In third grade, I wore scrubs to school for Halloween. Like, okay, that was my like entire pre-med, life.
0: pre-med, pre-med.
1: A hundred percent ingrained. Yeah, it okay. wasn't even. It wasn't even a decision. It was a. It was the path I was on. Okay. So now I'm about a month into college. I'm 18 years old, and I remember spending every day lying on my dorm room bed, staring up at the ceiling, and. I remember looking over at my desk and the stack of biology books were there and I assumed you know I would look at them and it feel like they were sucking the life out of me and I just thought you know maybe I'm being lazy but then I began to wonder maybe I'm not on my path you know maybe I'm on a path somebody placed me on and I'm just rolling down so now not only do I not know I'm going through the what do I want to do with my life crisis and what college are you at? I'm at USC here in LA. Okay. So I'm going through this, what do I want to do with my life crisis? And eventually that question starts evolving into, you know, how did all these people who didn't know what they wanted to do, how did they get started? How did Bill Gates sell his first piece of software out of his dorm room when nobody knew his name? Mm -hmm. How did Spielberg become the youngest director in Hollywood history without a single hit under his belt? These are the things they don't normally teach you in school.
0: Definitely.
1: (laughs) You know, I thought, alright, so it's not in school, so it has to be there has to be a book with it. So I like went to the library and went on Amazon and I'm just ripping through business yeah. books and biographies and self help books looking for an answer. But eventually I'm left empty handed. And that's when my naive eighteen year old thinking kicked in and I thought, Well, if no one's written the book I'm dreaming of reading you Gotta write it. Why not exactly, yeah. why not write it myself? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I thought that would be Okay. The easy part. You know, I would just call up Bill Gates, interview him, interview everybody else, you know.
0: (laughs) The easy part. (laughs) Yeah, you
1: know, Bill Gates helps kids all the time. I thought you know he was our generation Santa Claus. I thought that would be the easy part. The hard part I figured was getting the money to fund the journey. You know, I was buried in student loan debt. I was all out of bar mitzvah cash, so I didn't have a way to make money. So two nights before final exams my freshman year of college, I'm in the library doing what, you know, everyone's doing in the library right before finals. Studying. I'm on Facebook. Oh, okay. Okay. Sounds like a different plan. <laughs> like, like, you should be studying. I should have yeah, been yeah, studying, yeah. but I was on Facebook. Okay. And that's when I saw someone offering tickets to The prices Right. And, you know, the game show, of oh, course. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So, the first thought was, what if I go on the show... And win some money to fund
0: the book. And that's, is that like traveling, doing all like the stuff? Yeah, because I figured, you know,
1: if I'm gonna, you know, if Bill Gates is gonna say yes yep. to me, I need money to go fly to Seattle yep. and get yeah, a hotel yeah. room. Yep. Like, I don't have that money, yep. so I was like, all right, what if I go on the show and win some money to fund the book? You know, not my brightest moment, but <laughs> I had a problem. I'd never seen a full episode of the show before. Plus, I had finals in two days, so yeah. I told myself it was a stupid idea and to not think about it. This not, is on
0: Facebook. Oh, sorry to catch you
1: away. Yeah, so, someone's just posting tickets on their, as their okay. Facebook status. Okay, Because they couldn't they had tickets. They okay. could make it. And they were like,
0: hey, like so, someone take these. I can't yeah, go. Exactly. And you were like, okay. You saw it and you're like, okay,
1: this is an option. Yeah, but it was such a bad idea. I told myself <laughs> not to do it. And I don't know if you've had one of these moments where – For sure. You know, an idea keeps like clawing itself yeah. back into your mind. So I remember I was sitting in this like round wooden table in the corner of the library And to prove to myself it was a bad idea, I took out my notebook and wrote the best and worst case scenarios. And it was, you know, worst case scenarios, fail finals, you know, get kicked out of pre-med, lose financial aid, friends make fun of me, mom stops talking to me. No, mom kills me. You know, there was like 20 things, 20 (laughs) cons. And I remember the only probing, maybe, maybe... Win enough money to fund this stream. Yep. So that night, I decided to do the logical thing and pull an all-nighter to study. But I didn't study for finals. I studied had to hack the prices right. Oh, my lord. And I went on the show the next day and did this ridiculous strategy. I ended up winning the whole showcase showdown, winning a sailboat, <laughs> selling the sailboat, and that's how I funded the book.
0: Oh, my lord. In the short retrospect – so, wait. Let's take it back. So – you see this thing on Facebook, which is the Price is Right tickets. Yeah. And that's so crazy. So you literally see, like, a random thing. Like, you didn't have any intention, obviously, to go on the Price is Right and to win I, money. I, I,
1: was in, I was in the library to study Yeah, the files, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just procrastinating.
0: Yeah. So you see this thing. Two days later, you're actually on the show after you did intensive research about how to hack the show. Yeah. So what does that look like? It's like, do you do you watch The Prices Right before in your life or this literally just popped up and you're like, hey, this, they give away money on the show. I need money. Let me go on the show. Was that the, the logical plan? It was, it was. There's nothing about it was
1: logical. Okay. It was like...
0: <laughs> but like previously, you weren't like a The Price is Right addict and watched it at all. It was just like you saw something random and then just jumped on it because it, you had some urgency or felt something that was like, hey, this, this could possibly get me money to fund this journey. Yeah,
1: I remember... So during my all-nighter... Because I had seen bits and pieces of the show, you know, when I was homesick yeah, from yeah. school in fourth yeah, grade. Like but, everyone has. <laughs> yeah, but I hadn't seen a full episode. Yep. So I knew trying to master the show wouldn't be the best use of my time. What would be the best use of my time was figuring out just how to get on the show. Yeah. So I pull this all nighter and I find out that there's a producer who interviews every single person in the audience before the show begins. And I'm on like the 23rd O of Google at this point. It's like 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> And I find out not only is there a producer, there's also an undercover producer. So (laughs) the next morning, I wake up. I go to the CBS studios. You know, I'm dressed.
0: To the nine. Yeah,
1: you know, everyone (laughs) on the price rate is dressed crazy. I'm wearing like a bright red shirt, a puffy jacket, neon yellow sunglasses. I pretty much look (laughs) like a chubby toucan. (laughs) Okay. And it's perfect. So I get there, but I don't know who the undercover producer is. So I just assume everyone is. Yeah. So, you know, I'm flirting with old ladies, I'm dancing with the custodians, I'm breakdancing, and I don't know how yeah, to break yeah. dance. And I'm there, and after a while, you know, you get into line, and eventually it's my turn to be interviewed by the producer. And the second I saw him, I knew that was my guy. Because I had spent all yeah, night yeah. researching him.
0: Yep. I knew his name
1: was Stan. I knew where he grew up, I knew where he went to school, I pretty much knew what he ate for breakfast that morning. Okay. <laughs> and i also knew he has a system he has a clipboard but it's never in his hands an assistant who sits about you know 20 feet away from him
0: okay
1: is holding it and if stan really likes you he'll ask you a few questions and if he wants you on the show he'll turn around wink at his assistant and she'll make a mark on your name on the clipboard
0: and you found that out on during, my, during my internet,
1: yeah, during my all nighter.
0: And that's just out there that like, you just researched. It was, or was even, it like a low key? You just like it was super low key. Put the it puzzle was, pieces together through different articles. It and... was
1: like four o'clock in the morning. I was on this blog from like 1999 oh my gosh. in the comment
0: <laughs> section. Somebody was like, <laughs> yeah, Hey, yeah.
1: I was just on the show, and I know there's a producer. You know, yeah.
0: oh my gosh.
1: And you know, you probably do the same with your business. Yeah, yeah. You know, after the. Yeah, you know, 20th hour of research is yep. when you start uncovering the keys.
0: Yeah, the 13th page of Google, which no one goes on. Exactly, which no one goes on. <laughs> yeah. Everyone stops
1: after page one or yep. two. So there, you know, I see Stan, and it's finally my turn to be interviewed. And he's like, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you do? And I'm like, hey, I'm Alex. I'm 18. I'm a you know, pre-med in college. Yeah. And he goes, oh, pre-med? You must spend a lot of time, you know, studying. How do you have time to watch The Price is Right? And I go, oh, is that where I am? Like, no laughter. Yeah. Like, you know, the joke just dies. Yeah, yeah. So, I know I have to do something to save the situation. So, I had read in all these business books, one of them said that human contact speeds up a relationship. Yep. So, I had an idea. I had to touch Stan. So... <laughs> Oof. I'm like, Stan, come over here. I want to make a handshake with you. And he's like, no, no, no. It's okay. Yeah. And I'm like, come on. And he, he comes over and I teach him how to you know pound it and blow it up. Yeah. And he laughs a little. And he's like, all right, good luck. And he starts walking away. And it was one of those moments where you could see your entire dream right in front of you walking away. And the worst part is... You know, you didn't even have a chance to fully prove yourself. So I don't know what got into me, but I just felt this like feeling the pit of my stomach. And I started yelling at the top of my lungs, Stan, Stan. And you know, like everybody in the audience yeah, turns yeah. their head around and, you know, he's the, he, they think I'm having like a seizure or yeah. something, you know. And Stan runs over to me. And he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? What's going on? And now I have no idea what I'm gonna say. Okay. <laughs> he's just staring at me, and I'm, you know, I'm just looking at him, and he's looking at me, and he's, you know, typical Hollywood, you know, yeah. turtleneck, red scarf, even though it's like 70 degrees yeah. outside. And I just look at him and I'm like. Your scarf! And now I really don't know what I'm gonna say next. And I just look at him with all of this intensity that I can, and I just go. Stan, I'm an avid scarf collector. I have 362 pairs in my dorm room and I'm missing that one. Where did you get it? And he starts cracking <laughs> up because I think he finally oh realized Lord. what I was trying to do. Okay. And he was laughing more at why I was doing it. Yep. So he you know, takes off a scarf, gives it to me, and he's like, look, you need this more than I do. And he turns around, winks, and his assistant makes a mark on the clipboard. Uh,
0: and you knew, like, all right.
1: So at that point, Is you, know, you- I, I knew I passed the first – round. And then I, and then, uh, you know, a couple minutes later, I noticed there was this woman with long brown hair looking around the audience a lot. And I saw a laminated badge in her back pocket and I figured she has to be the undercover producer. Yeah. So I see her and I start like, you know, blowing her kisses and I start dancing and she starts laughing and she looks at my name badge, takes a sheet of paper out of her pocket and makes a mark. And at that point, you <laughs> know, I'm feeling really good because, okay. you know, I just passed the producer and the undercover producer. Yeah. So that's when I realized, though, I had spent the whole night before studying how to get on the show. I still didn't know how to play. But I was like, all right, no big deal. So I take out my phone and I start Googling how to play Prices Right. On the spot. Yeah, I just thought, (laughs) you know, I have an hour probably until the show starts. I'll just read online. And about 30 seconds later, there's a tap on my shoulder and security takes my phone away. Okay. So I'm like, fuck, you know, like there's – now I have no plan B. Yeah. I remember sitting down on this like metal bench outside the studio next to this old lady, and she sees how upset I am, and she's like, what's wrong? And I tell her about my dream, I tell her about vinyl, <laughs> I tell her, I've never seen a full episode of the show before, yeah. and she, you know, pinches my cheek, and she's like, honey, I've been watching the show for 40 years! And I'm like, wow, do you have any advice? And she's like, you remind me of my grandson. <laughs> and she ends up giving me this, like, incredible advice, okay. and that's when the light bulb goes off. I'm like, oh my god, thank you so much. And yeah. I jump to the person next to me. I'm like, hey, I'm Alex. I'm 18. I've never seen the show before. Do you have any advice? Hey, I'm Alex. I'm 18. Yeah. I've never seen the show before. Do you have any advice? And I'm going from person to person, group to group. And over an hour, I talked to almost half the audience crowdsourcing <laughs> their wisdom.
0: That's insane. So wh- why do they take your phone? So they what? take away everyone's phone. In the audience or yeah, the player? They,
1: a, any, Everyone in the audience. Oh, wow. Because anyone in the audience can be called down onto the show. Okay. So they don't want people recording it yeah. and they don't want people looking up things. Um,
0: yep. How much is the boat? How much is this? Exactly. Yep, yep, I see.
1: So right around then, the doors to the studio open. And, you know, I step in there and the place smells like the 1970s. <laughs> you know? There's yellow okay. and green drapes. There's purple and yellow flashing lights. All that's missing is a disco ball. And I get there and instantly, you know... That's when I hear the famous sound. Live from CBS Studio in Hollywood, it's The Price (laughs) is Right. And, you know, they called on the first contestant and the second contestant and the third contestant. And, you know, it's not me. But for the fourth, I feel it coming. And I'm, like, about to stand up. But it's still not me. And, you know, I just sink back in my chair and I think. Over. Yeah, maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And, you know, the way the show works is one person wins an opening round, moves on, and now there's an opening at the podium, and it's time for the fifth contestant. Okay. Alex Benayan, come on down! And no I lose way. my shit, you know? <laughs> I'm jumping up and down, I'm hugging strangers, <laughs> oh I get Lord. there, and they're like, a leather chair and ottoman! You know, I'm a freshman in college. Yeah. I don't know how much milk costs.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, like, leather chair and ottoman, I don't even know what an ottoman is.
0: Okay. So...
1: They're like, Alex, take your pick. And I'm like, $400. And, you know, everybody laughs. I'm way off. It was like, you know, $1,500. Okay.
0: I don't even know how much. It... I was thinking like 600 700 Yeah. Okay. I have no idea.
1: So they're like, <laughs> yeah, and then it's time for the next round. A new billiards table. And I'm thinking like, you know, my cousins have a pool table. Like, how expensive <laughs> could that be? So I'm like, $500. And again, everyone laughs at me. Yeah. So because everyone laughs... The other contestants guess higher and higher and higher and the retail price was 1400 and they all guessed over. Mm. And on The Price is Right, if you guess over, you're disqualified.
0: Really? So
1: I won by default. Oh my so lord. So I'm jumping up <laughs> again. I'm like, you know, <laughs> saying hi to my mom on camera.
0: <laughs> She's watching you?
1: You know, it, it's not live. It, oh, it goes okay, a weeks okay. Later. But you know, you wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I get on the stage and now it's time for my bonus round. And the doors open, and it's this beautiful white hot tub. (laughs) You know, LED lights, 12 jets, waterfall, and all I can think is if I win this hot tub, I am the king of college. (laughs) You know, so all the pressure is on. So I guess $4,000, it turned out to be $9,000. So I lose the hot tub, and that's when they go, we'll be right back with the wheel. And during the commercial break, I'm like, excuse me, uh, who spins the wheel? And they're like, who spins? You spin! (laughs) And it turns out, you know, the wheel is this giant slot machine-looking thing with light bulbs and glitter and numbers, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, all the way up to 100. And whoever gets closest to 100 without going over wins. And if you are lucky enough and you land exactly on 100, you get a bonus cash prize. Mm. But that's very rare. Yeah. So now commercial break is over and it's time for the wheel.
0: How come you're spinning it?
1: So everyone who won the an opening round. Okay. So because I won the okay, billiard yeah. table, you automatically get into the wheel round. I, I didn't it. know I get this it. I get it you know, I was confused you're just too. going with the flow okay. right they're just like stand right here I'm like yeah, okay yeah. great you know so the first lady who goes up young woman peppy hair she goes up gives it a spin 80 and you know that's a good number e- yeah even I know yeah, that's yeah. a good number and yeah. the audience is cheering for her so she goes into the winner circle and now it's my turn and I go up and I grab it and it's a lot heavier than it looks okay. I give it a spin 85 oh in the oh my lord
0: range.
1: ballistic because they know I have no idea what I'm doing yeah so they love it they love it Love it. yeah <laughs> so 85 I moved to the winner's circle and now it's the third and final contestant it's an older woman and she you know goes up there everyone's rooting for her she gives it a spin tick 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 she goes over 100, gets disqualified, so I win, and I oh, start freaking Lord. out because I think I just won the entire show, <laughs> and that's when I hear we'll be right back oh. the second half of The Price is Right.
0: So crushing. <laughs> yeah, so now
1: I'm like, what? So I'm sitting on the side of the stage, and that's when I watch the second half of the show unfold, and I find out who's going up against me for the final round. And her name is Tanisha, and she blasted through the second half of the show
0: <laughs> with, with ease. The,
1: the, you know, not just ease, like ferociousness. As yeah. if she has spent her whole life walking through Costco studying yep. price tags. <laughs> you know, she won the <laughs> opening round, she won the bonus round, and for the wheel, she spun a perfect
0: 100. That's insane.
1: So, me going up against Tanisha is like David against Goliath, yeah, you yeah. know? And. It's the commercial break right now before the final round of the show. And Tanisha and I are both on stage and she's walking towards me and you know, I believe in karma. So yeah, you know, I reach out my hand and I'm like, hey, good luck. Yeah. And she goes, Yeah, you'll need it. And the whole audience is yeah, like, Oh yeah. shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. super heated. <laughs> and I'm like, shit, she's right, I do need it. So I see the host of the show, Drew Carey. And I like throw my hands up and I'm like, Drew. I loved you on Whose Line Is It Anyway? And yeah. I give him a hug and he like sort of awkwardly pushes me away. <laughs> and I'm like, Hey, Drew. Um, any uh, any advice on the showroom showdown? And he goes, First of all, it's the showcase showdown. <laughs> you know, clearly I had no idea yeah, what I yeah. was doing. <laughs> and he gave me some great advice and before I knew it, it was time to go behind the podiums for the final round. Okay. And you have to understand, there's six blinding white lights in your eyes you know ten machine gun sized cameras pointed Uh at your face audience audience is yelling Tanisha's dancing (laughs) I'm sweating and and now it's time for the final round okay and you know I get my package Alex your first prize is a trip to Six Flags Magic Mountain theme park blah 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 blah. you know I'm not listening to the details Yeah. which I learned later was a giant mistake Okay. so I'm not listening to the details I'm like alright Six Flags magic Mountain. how expensive <laughs> could that be you know I'm thinking 50 yeah, bucks
0: yeah 50 bucks <laughs> yeah
1: you know, 50 bucks with a can of coke I've seen the yeah, commercials yeah yeah what I didn't hear in the details because I wasn't paying attention is that it was front of the line passes all you can eat food VIP with the butler in a yeah. limo for six people no, I'm, and I'm thinking okay cool easy you know 50 bucks <laughs> Your next prize is a trip to Florida, blah, 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 blah. I'm thinking, like, Florida, you know. I'm, granted, I've never booked a plane ticket in my okay. life. I'm 18, Okay. You know? I yeah, just yeah, turned yeah. 18 a couple months ago. And I'm like, all right. What is that, a couple hundred bucks? <laughs> what I didn't hear is that it was first class tickets, five-star hotel with a rental car for two people. Okay. But I'm thinking, all right, cool, 200 bucks, easy, next. Yeah. Your next prize is a trip to zero gravity, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, that must be another theme park, another 50 yeah. bucks. What I didn't hear is that this is how NASA trains their astronauts. <laughs> Every 15 minutes in zero gravity is $5,000. But I'm thinking, all right, cool, $50. Bucks. Next. And okay. your final prize... And you know the doors open yeah, yeah. very Slow. dramatically. Yeah. Yep. A new sailboat, and I freak out. But eventually, I calm down and I look at the sailboat and I notice it looks pretty small. <laughs> sort of looks like a dinghy. Yeah. Now, what I didn't hear is that it was a Catalina Mark II sailboat with a cabin and a trailer. But I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, cool, dinghy, couple, couple thousand bucks, yeah. three thousand, four thousand. And they're like, Alex, it'll all be yours if the price is right. And the audience is going crazy. And I'm just like – I'm trying to just get into the zone, close my eyes, listen to that voice inside of me. And there's just one number that just feels right. So I lean forward and I grab the microphone and I'm like, Drew, $6,000. And literally – the whole audience goes silent (laughs) it's as if somebody has died on stage and Drew Carey you know doesn't say a word and I'm very confused because normally everyone was cheering (laughs) Yeah. yeah so after a while I like look at the audience and then I look at Drew Carey and he's just looking at me like completely confused and I finally get the hint so I lean forward and I grab the mic and I'm like uh just kidding? And everybody starts cheering, you know? And he's like, Oh, college kids these days, what's your real answer, Alex? And I'm thinking, shit, that was my real answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just start freaking out and I just start pounding on the podium and I go, Audience, I need your help And like a miracle they start chanting one number. And it's a mob though, so I can't really hear yeah. them. And the producers are like trying to cut me off, and Drew's like, Alex, we need an answer. So I just I hear the TH sound. So I go, Drew, thirty hundred dollars. And he grabs the mic and he's like, You know there's a difference between thirty hundred and thirty thousand, right? And I'm like, Uh, of course I know that. Thirty thousand And he goes, Great, we're locking it in. Okay. And Tanisha looks at me like she's going up against someone in preschool. Yeah. And, you know, she gets a car and an ATV, and she guesses, I think, like $35,000. And now it's time to reveal the winner. Tanisha, you guessed $35,000. Retail price, 36400 And Tanisha jumps up in the air, yeah. thanking God, because she just wanted a brand new car. And I'm thinking like, shit, I have finals tomorrow. If I just go straight to the library. I have two hours to study for bio, three hours for yeah, chem. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just in crisis management. You're
0: all over the place thinking. Exactly.
1: Alex, you guessed $30,000 retail price, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm not listening. Yeah. And literally I'm like, all right, let me just leave the stage and I'll be good. And then I see my podium is flashing. So I turn around and look at my podium and – I realized I had guessed $30,000 retail price 31200 oh. I beat Tunisia by $200 and my oh face my literally God. goes from blank to
0: ah! you know <laughs> freaking out jumping up and down <laughs> yeah, I get yeah. the
1: sailboat sell the sailboat and that's how I funded the Holy early parts of the book dang so that's the, that's
0: that's that's where it all happened. It all the started price, on the is, price right. is right. Yeah. Oh my god! The way I, when I heard it on drama story, like on his podcast, like I heard that entire story, and I was like, like, where is this gonna go? Where is this gonna go? And like, you going to win in the entire show, and three days before you just saw it on Facebook, and yeah. you saw like, all right, they give away money. So at the end of the day, you get the boat. That's what you win, right? So, what like what happens after you win? Like, is it you have to go talk to the producers? Like, what's the process of like quote unquote winning the boat and actually like exactly. getting it and selling it? What is that? So, look like? you know, right after the show, you
1: go and sign all this paperwork yeah, and yeah. stuff. And then a couple months later, you get a call from a boat dealer saying, "Oh, we have your boat. Yeah. You know, like, where do you want us to deliver yeah. it?" And I knew I wanted to sell the boat to get money to fund my dream mm-hmm. and to write this book. So I made a deal with the boat dealer. I was like, "Hey, you sell boats, don't you?" And he's like, "Yeah," and I am like. How about you keep the boat and you just like write me a check? And he's like, "Deal." And you know, like, yeah. He, he made an extra thousand yeah. dollars or whatever, and so I got this check for I think seventeen thousand dollars, which for me at the time felt like a million bucks. Yeah. yeah. So I'm taking all my friends to Chipotle. I'm like free <laughs> guacamole for everybody. You know, <laughs> feeling like a millionaire. Yeah. Um, and I set off on my quest.
0: Do the upwards too. Oh, good.
1: So I get the money from the boat, and I end up. It takes three years, but I get to Bill Gates. It took, you know, years to get to Lady Gaga, but I ended up doing.
0: That's crazy.
1: You know, all these incredible interviews. And the lessons that have surprised me the most was that every single one of these people, no matter how different they were, You know, Bill Gates grew up in Seattle to a wealthy family. Maya Angelou grew up poor in Stamps, Arkansas. They couldn't be more different on the outside. Yeah. But at their core, I realized they all treat life and business and success the exact same way.
0: Philosophy-wise and just looking at those
1: pillars. (laughs) Exactly. And the analogy that came to me after doing all these interviews is that it's sort of like getting into a nightclub. Okay. There's always three ways in There's the first door, the main entrance, where the line curves around the block, where 99% of people wait around hoping to get in. That's the first door. And then there's the second door, the VIP entrance, where the billionaires and the celebrities go through. And school and society have this way of making us feel like those are the only two ways in. You either wait your turn or you're born into it. Mm. But what I've learned is that there's always, always... (laughs) the third door okay. and it's the entrance where you have to jump out of line run down the alley bang on the door a hundred times crack open the window go through the kitchen there's always a waiting <laughs> okay. and it doesn't matter if that's how Bill Gates sold his first piece of software or how Lady Gaga got her first record deal they all took the third door so that's not only you know the title and the thesis of the book that's really the energy I'm trying to inject yeah. into every reader
0: yeah wow it's just so crazy so that was like so you're 18 at the time when the price is right yeah. you had this idea which was interviewing these people and obviously now like on the podcast we're talking about the book just dropped you have all these amazing people so like looking back it's like that's how it happened but like I'm super curious because like whenever I do interviews with people like I'm 17 so it's like you being on the price is right you're about my age right exactly so you have this idea you want to write this book and obviously like the ups and downs of getting all these people and meeting them I, I want to talk about more about that because like I think it's just crazy. So you wanted to meet these people. Obviously, like you said, like you thought it was going to be the easy part to get these people, talk to them. And for now, it's like whenever whenever it comes to like me, like we're in L.A., I'm speaking at an event. I'm going to talk about like the power of the DM, which is like the way we got this podcast. I DM'd you. And like when you were trying to get in touch with people, I'm sure the DM wasn't the place to get Bill Gates to an interview, right? Not at all. So my question I'd say is like who was like the first – person that was like the wow moment, like, oh, God, like, I met this person, I got the interview, like, who was that first key individual going through the process? Mm.
1: You know, they all, you know, you're talking about the process, it was all just so hard. Okay. And... You know, it's interesting, you talk about the power of the DM. For me, it was more about the power of cold emails. Okay. And different avenue. But different avenues communication. And this is the thing too, it doesn't matter what you know, what time, era, year it is. Yeah. Because if you know, twenty eighteen it might be DMs, in two thousand ten it was maybe cold emails. But in 1910, it was the same thing. It was knocking on doors.
0: Yep, yep. You know, the,
1: all the hustler kids yeah. would go and like knock on the doors of people they looked up to or, yep. you know, write a letter and send
0: it to their mailbox and they right. found the yellow
1: pages. Right. So Larry King gave me a great piece of advice when I interviewed him. He said, young people don't understand that. Yes, technology has changed rapidly over the past 20 years, but humanity has not. People are still mm. the same. So it's all about that personal connection. Uh, It's all about finding a way to get in touch with people. And for me, you know, so with cold cold emails really is how I met the mentors who changed my life. It's how I got incredible advice from a ton of best-selling authors when I was getting my start. And the person who gave me the best cold email advice was Tim Ferriss. Okay. So the way I got the interview with Tim was – I was 18 and I was, you know, writing all these letter you know, cold emails and it wasn't working. I met someone who knew someone who knew him. It wasn't working. So I ended up – I found out he was speaking at an event in San Francisco. So I took my prices Right money, bought a plane ticket, went to San Francisco, went to the event. Okay. Thinking, all right, I'll just go in person and talk to him there. So I see the stage – has stairs on the right side so I'm like all right, I'm gonna take a seat
0: right there near the right side
1: (laughs) so the second he walks off the stage boom I'm gonna go up and and talk to him yep and I knew I had to be right near the stage because everyone in that room wanted to talk to Tim Ferriss
0: yes definitely so I was like
1: "I, I have to be the first one so I sit down there I get a seat right all the way on the right side of the stage the lights dim Tim Ferriss walks on stage from the far left side Oh, my Lord. So I'm on the opposite <laughs> side, you know? And I flew all the way to San Francisco for this yeah, moment. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm not going to lose this moment. Yeah. So I end up standing up, you know, surveying the field, and I see that there's a VIP bathroom in the far left side of the auditorium right next to the stairs. But there's, like, a bouncer guardian, mm-hmm. so I, like... You know, run up there, and I start like freaking out, saying like it's an emergency. I have to go in the yeah, bathroom. Yeah, yeah. He's like, "All right, go in." So I go in, and I end up <laughs> crouching. I knew if I left the bathroom, the you know bouncer would kick me out. Yeah. So I I stayed in the bathroom, crouching <laughs> by the toilet for thirty minutes oh, my with Lord. my ear against the wall, so I could listen to the speech. So the second. I would hear the applause. I could jump out
0: and then run into him. Hopefully,
1: exactly. So, 30 minutes later, I hear the applause. I jump out of the bathroom. Boom! Right in front of me, all alone, is Tim Ferriss. Oh my lord! And that's how we made that early connection. That's and I ended crazy. up having to send him like 32 emails, but we finally got the interview. Okay. And when I got the interview, the way Tim started his career was that right out of college, he worked for a startup the way he got that job is he sent 32 emails to the ceo mm. of the startup and eventually got a job and then when tim wanted to become an author he cold emailed a bunch of different authors okay. and that's how he you know met people in the publishing yeah. industry so i asked him you know what is your secret to cold emails cuz i sent a ton of cold emails and i never got a response okay. and he was like all right this is my my template that i use and anybody listening to this can use this. It's yeah. worked wonders. My okay. One of my favorite compliments is that if you go to like the Amazon reviews of my book, okay. um, one person in like caps lock, you know, all capital <laughs> letters wrote, the email template works, okay. you know, and that's like – It's in
0: the book? Yeah, it's in the oh, book. Oh, amazing. So this is
1: from the Tim Ferriss chapter in the book. Okay. So this is the template. You know, dear so-and-so. Yep. I know you're incredibly busy and get a ton of emails – So this will only take 60 seconds to read. Boom. Next paragraph. Mm -hmm. One to two sentences max of who you are, your credibility, and why that's relevant to the person. But again, one to two sentences. The next paragraph, again, one or two sentences with a very specific question. Something they can answer easily without thinking. You know, what's the number one book you recommend to a young entrepreneur? Because the point is to really just get your foot in the The door. The touches. The touches. Yep, I agree with that. And then the final paragraph is the clincher. You go, I totally understand if you're too busy to respond. Even a one or two line will completely make my day.
0: All the best. Mm. Tip. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I've used that to get interviews from my book, get okay. advice from people like Malcolm Gladwell, it's readers crazy. from the book. You know, the book's only been out for a couple weeks now. Yeah. Like, there's already been uh, readers reaching out saying they've gotten responses from Sheryl Sandberg.
0: And oh my lord!
1: It's it's really been. I'm hyped incredible. to use that. It, it works okay. really well. Um, the trick is to actually make sure the email takes less than sixty seconds yeah. to read, and you really keep it to you know one to two sentences yep. per paragraph.
0: Okay. Wow. So it's in the book. You use was it the formula? From Tim that you used to help get other people because you said like when it comes to the, you winning the money from the boat you sold was Tim the first person that you flew out to and happened you met by standing in the bathroom was that the first guy he or? was he was
1: one of the first he okay. was in the
0: very beginning um, but all the stories are
1: everyone's different you know yeah. Bill Gates took multiple years okay um, but some of them were more crazy yeah, yeah. And more coincidences that ended up working out okay. for me. Um, By far, the most miraculous coincidence was with Larry King. Okay. So, I was sitting outside of a grocery store with one of my best friends. His name is Corwin. Okay. And we're just eating sandwiches, sitting on the corner. Just, you know, talking about how... I was just complaining about how hard the process is. Getting people? Yeah. Not only getting the interviews, but even conducting the interviews is so hard because so many times I would go into an interview and something would happen or backfire or I would yeah. lose control and my friend Corn's like man like, don't be so hard on yourself interviewing isn't a science it's an art and as we're talking about this a car pulls up right in front of us <laughs> in the loading zone the door opens and out walks Larry King and I you know I'm freaking out but yeah. I don't know if you ever go through this but sometimes in the moments that are The most opportune is when I freeze up the most. You know, my throat clenches, my mouth gets wired shut. I call it the flinch. Okay. And I end up saying nothing. And Larry walks right past me, right into the grocery store. And my friend Corwin is like, dude, what the hell? Why didn't you say anything? And I was just, you know, coming up with excuses. Like, oh, no, like, I don't want to bother him. And Corwin's like, dude, come on. At least go and say hi. And... Because I'm embarrassed. I just stand up and my friend's like, come on, man. He's 80 years old. How far could he have gotten? So (laughs) I go into the grocery store and I look around the front. No, Larry. I run to the back to the produce section. You know, fruits, vegetables. No, Larry. And then I realize he had parked in the loading zone. So he must be leaving any second now. Mm Mm-hmm. So then all this adrenaline, you know, I start sprinting <laughs> through the grocery store, oh, down my every my aisle. Lord. No, Larry, no, Larry, no, Larry, no, Larry, <laughs> no, Larry, no, Larry. I cut down the frozen food section. No, Larry. I, I'm like, he has to be at the checkout. So I go to the checkout counter. No, Larry, no, Larry, no, Larry, no, Larry.
0: Mm.
1: And at that point, I want to just kick myself because he was right in front of me yeah. I didn't say a thing. So I'm really upset and I'm walking out of this grocery store, I'm walking through the parking garage, staring down at my feet and I lift my head and, you know, 30 feet right ahead of me is Larry King, suspenders and all. Yeah. And I, I just sort of like that stand moment, don't know what happens, but I just get overcome with all of this pent up energy and I just yell. Mr. King, and because of the echo in the parking lot, it went ten times louder than I expected. (laughs) And Larry King, poor guy, has you know, he's eighty years old, has that quadruple bypass surgery. He like his shoulders like jump in the air. He turns around; every wrinkle on his face is sprung back, and. He looks like he's looking at the grim reaper. Yeah. And I just like run towards him. They're like, Mr. King, Mr. King, I'm you know I'm nineteen years old. I, I've always wanted to say hi. And he goes, Okay. Hi. And he like you know speeds away. Oh my lord. And I'm thinking, like, you know, too I'm too deep in the game now to pull back. So yeah. I just keep following him. And we finally get out towards his car. And he's stuffing the groceries in the back of the car. And He opens the driver's side door. is about to get inside. And I go, wait, Mr. King. Can I go to breakfast with you? And he looks at me like I'm a lunatic. Yeah. And I had read online that he goes to breakfast.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. He he owns a restaurant in LA. Okay. So I'm like, can I go to breakfast with you? And he just looks at me. And then he looks out onto the sidewalk. And there's about 10 people now who have gathered around to watch this go down. And he just like... I guess felt peer pressure. So he just like shrugs his head and he's like, okay, okay, okay. And I'm like, Oh my God, thank you so much. (laughs) Um, all right, I'll see you tomorrow morning. And he just like gets in his car and shuts the door. And I'm like, wait, Mr. King, what time? (laughs) And he looks at me and just like turns on the engine and I'm like, Mr. King, what time? And he like puts the car in drive. I'm now standing in front of the windshield Waving my arms. Mr. King, what time? And he just looks at me and he's like... 9 o'clock! And he just speeds (laughs) off. That is insane. So the next morning, at 9 o'clock, I get to his restaurant. And sure enough, he's sitting in the corner booth with all his best friends. And, you know, I had some time to think about... You know, what had happened. And... I was a bit embarrassed by how it went down so (laughs) the day before so when I showed up at the you know at the restaurant I didn't just sit down I just waved my hand I'm like hey Mr. King uh, good morning and he's like
0: you know just mumbles
1: (laughs) and I'm like alright maybe he wants some time alone so I sit at the table next to him waiting for him to call me over and 10 minutes pass 20 minutes pass an hour passes oh lord and finally he stands up, and he's walking towards me, and I can, like, feel my cheeks lifting.
0: Yeah.
1: And then he walks right past me and heads for the exit. And I just felt this very sharp, familiar pain in my chest, and I just, you know, raised a hand, and I'm like, Mr. Mister King? And he's like, what is it, kid? What do you want? <laughs> and at that point, I'm just like, honestly just wanted some advice on how to interview people. And this smile comes on his face, almost as if to say, you know, why didn't you say so? Yeah. And he ends up, you know, putting a hand on my shoulder and giving me this incredible monologue on interview advice. And then he looks up to the ceiling as if he's debating something in his mind. And then he looks back at me, locks his eyes and he goes, all right, kid, tomorrow, 8.45, see you here. And I oh show up the next Lord. morning, and he calls me over to his table, and he's like, why, why are you trying to interview people? And I tell him about the book, and he's like, all right, I'm in.
0: And over the oh you know Lord. past
1: five years, I've been to breakfast with him about 50 times.
0: Wow. That is insane. So Larry King, obviously, is one of the most legendary interviewers. So grow, like, not even growing up, but like when you first had that first like after you talked to him and actually had the breakfast breakfast with them how was the relationship like just from the standpoint of like were you guys like you guys were setting up breakfasts or how what did that look like because obviously with the book and you talking to him was it something where it was still more in the formulation of the idea saying hey like i have this book i want to release in five years or like what was the I thought actual it was coming, process I thought it was coming out in a few months okay <laughs> okay okay, okay. <laughs> Definitely, I love it it was not the plan okay. for to come out so, so, like, so you were just gathering the people and he, you wanted him to be a part of it and then you guys ended up really just connecting and then he wanted to be a part of it in yeah and
1: the way the way that I was able to go to breakfast so many times was because someone at, one of Larry King's best friends who sits at his breakfast table and I ended up becoming rapidly close friends very quickly and what I realize is that, you know, we're both relatively young
0: Yeah.
1: and, you know, young people are always wondering, you know, everyone always says, you know, bring value to people, give yeah. value. and Exchange
0: you know, value. <laughs> yeah. Young people are
1: always like, what value do I have? I'm so young. Yeah. What was funny was when I was at Larry King's breakfast table, here's a table of, you know, really established older men. But, you know, one guy was wondering how to set up his iPad. Another guy, like, didn't even know how to, like, create a Twitter account. Yeah. And another guy, you know, wanted to meet YouTubers. So yep. I was like, I can help with that. So I started just becoming friends with different people at Larry's Breakfast mm-hmm. Table, and that's what helped me keep coming back. Wow.
0: wow. That's insane. So from the standpoint of, like...
1: Yeah, so it wasn't Larry and I were buddy-buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Relationships around him. I was I was able to, you know, create relationships with all yeah, of his yeah. friends, and that's what kept yep. the breakfast table invitation open. Yeah,
0: yeah. The consistency of just following up and seeing them. Exactly. That's so crazy, man. So you're 18 in college, about to do your finals. Did you ever do that, the finals? I did, but I didn't study. I just okay. went in and just guessed. So, so from <laughs> the standpoint... Well, after the boat, you were still in college through this entire process or how did that look like?
1: I was in college <clears throat> the first 2 years. And the only reason I left college was because my biggest dream was to get to Bill Gates and interview okay. Bill Gates. But Bill Gates's office said, "Look, we're not going to do an interview with a random yeah. college student. Go get a book deal from Penguin or Random House or one of these, you know, yeah. top 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 publishers." And then come back to us. And it had taken me eight months just to get a literary agent. Mm. But when I finally got one, I was so close to getting a publishing deal, I knew that if I, you know, it's hard its hard enough for professional authors, full-time authors who are double my age to get a publishing deal with Penguin or Random House.
0: Yeah.
1: For me at, you know, at that time I was 19. For me at 19 or 20 to think that I'll just, you know, walk right in. <laughs> Uh, would be really idiotic of me. Okay. I would be lucky if I put all of my energy and I would get it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was no way I knew if I was in school. And look, the school I went to was really expensive, so yep. it wasn't like I could just waste away a semester. Yeah. So, if I had tests and assignments to do, there was no way I would be able to put all my energy yeah. into getting this book deal. So, One of my mentors, his name is Elliot Bisno. You know, I called him one day, you know, really terrified. And I was like, dude, I think I know what I have to do, but I just can't get myself to look my parents in the eyes and tell them I'm going to drop out of school. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) You are not dropping out of school. Okay. And I'm like, what? And he's like, look. No one smart actually drops out of school. You know, go do some research and figure it out. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So I go and I open up this, you know, biography on Mark Zuckerberg. And I'm reading it. And finally, I think on like page 52, I finally figured out what Elliot was talking about. When Mark Zuckerberg had started Facebook. This was the first summer. It was still called yeah. the Facebook.com, yeah, yeah. you know. and. During that summer, Mark went in to get investment from Peter Thiel, and Peter Thiel said, are you going to drop out of college? And even then, when Mark had 250,000 users, mm. he said, I'm not going to drop out. And I was like, what?
0: That's crazy. Because if you
1: watch the social network, yeah. it looks like he just dropped out of school yeah, and yeah. Like, you know, put his middle finger in the sky. Yep. I'm like, what? What? And then I started YouTubing different interviews with Mark Zuckerberg. And after hours, I finally found this one interview where Zuckerberg told the whole story that his co-founder, Dustin Moskovitz, had to sort of convince him. He's like, Mark, look, we have no operations, guys. These servers are, you know, way too complicated and expensive. If we go back to school, there's, you know, the website's going to die. Let's just take one semester off figure it out set it up and then we can go back for spring semester why don't we just take one semester off and mark said okay and i was like oh that's what elliot was talking about it's not about dropping out of school it's about taking one semester off seeing if it works out and i went and researched bill gates and i realized he did the same thing
0: okay i think i've heard that before yeah it's interesting
1: and it's this big myth. Everyone thinks that, you know, Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg dropped out just out dropped out. and the an <laughs> Yeah, they said, fuck the system. Let's burn yeah. our textbooks. Yep. Schools for idiots. No, they were actually both really scared and cautious. Mm. And they took one semester off to see if they could build this business and if it would actually take off. And, you know, even Michael Dell, who created Dell Computers, there's, you know, if you look online, there's a famous – you know a letter he wrote to his parents asking them hey really? you think like yeah and like it's never obvious at the time definitely when you're building your business when you're in the trenches you never know for sure if it's going to work so it's not about when you're going to go all in you know it's not about if it's about really when because yeah. when is the tricky question and what I've learned is that the best you can do is just take one thoughtful step at a time
0: that's crazy. Like the little, the, what is that phrase? It's like um, if you try to chase two rabbits, you'll chase, you're gonna catch none. But it's like if you follow that one each day, take the step each day. That's I that's the building it. block. That's insane. So you've been able to sit down with some of the most, I'd say, the most successful, just legendary people. Like when I first like found out about you through Drama's podcast, I'm like, this is insane. Like coming from, I felt like it was so cool because like The Price is Right, and then interviewing all these legends. Like it's funny how they play they played hand in hand, right? Yeah. So when it comes to just the book now, right, it's like it's published, it's out there, you have the people. When it comes to your feeling, right, it's published, it's like going through this journey, looking back... From the standpoint of like you telling the story now, obviously you can sit down on podcast, tell a story. It's it's quote unquote. If someone looks at you now, it's like oh wow, like he's so it's successful. But like during the time, it's like you're chasing Larry King and standing in front of his car and doing all this stuff. Which like honestly, a lot of people don't have the drive and the willpower to do. Would you agree? It's like the grit of trying to get that scarf and coming up with excuses, standing in the bathroom, all these things that like you just did at the time, which now like you get to tell a story about. What would you say has been the most just key, I don't want to say pillar, because obviously I want to on the consistency of things, what has been the biggest, like, I would say learning curve of this entire journey? Oh,
1: wow, the whole
0: thing. It (laughs) was like, in a simple, I don't want you to be like, this is the thing, but just something that comes to mind when it comes to like, all right, you just published your book, you're sitting down with someone who's 17, a lot of these young listeners are young. What's been something just like, I feel like sometimes people think things are unfathomable, right? Tony Robbins, Ariana Huffington, all these guys that are on the back of your book or the people you've sat down with—it's like you're never going to be able to get in touch with these people. Don't listen. Like, I think a lot of people like they think their parents like tear them down or they say they can't do something, and I'm sure you've been through those same things, right? But like to someone young, what's just been like the most? Like, if you had to be super transparent with someone, like what would you tell someone that like was you're, you're 17 and you wanted to connect with all these people? Is what what would be the statement? to really just like someone that's young that may want to connect with some of the world's most powerful people hmm.
1: so if someone's out there who wants to really you know go and learn from these people directly it really it really does make a difference about how you contact them And I'll I'll say a couple things The first thing is that The people who have changed my life the most You know, obviously Sitting down with Bill Gates is an incredible experience That's insane Um, And he taught me really powerful lessons But my life was changed by A lot more Was changed a lot more by other people Who are a lot less known than Bill Gates And you can probably attest to it too Which is Sometimes the most famous mentors aren't the best ones I because agree. they have so many people pulling at them. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Where and but there's there's definitely a value of sitting down with someone you really yeah, admire yeah, and getting yeah.
0: that
1: you know that boost.
0: Yeah, the check off the list.
1: Yeah, you know there's something about sitting down, you know, with me one of the things about sitting down with Bill Gates was I was just like wow, he's a human being, I'm a human being, we're on this couch together. That's crazy. On a couch, just chilling? Yeah, well, it wasn't chilling. He has a Diet Coke, (laughs) I have a bottle of water. And it changed what I believe was possible. And what I've learned is that, you know, when I had first set off to write this book, my dream was to gather all these tools and wisdom from the world's most successful people so their hindsight could be our foresight. Yeah. And while all of that is still in the book, all of those practical lessons and tools, I've learned that the soul of this book goes much deeper. It's really about possibility. Okay. And what I've realized is that you can give someone all the best Tools and knowledge in the world, right? You go on Google, you go on Facebook, you can find any anything that you want to learn, you can find someone trying to teach it, yeah, right? Yeah. There's all the yeah. tools in the world. Yeah. But sometimes you can give someone all the tools and their life can still feel stuck yeah, for some reason. Definitely. But if you change what someone believes is possible, they'll never be the same. Okay. And that's really what's so powerful about this book.
0: Wow. That's it insane. changes what people believe is yeah. possible. Just, uh, I, what is that called um what is that thing I learned it's just like I want to call it the third door but it's like changing the possibilities of like oh, what is it like saying something like if you you're only as good as your belief system as and if you think you can make a million dollars. You're probably only going to make a million. You're not going to make a hundred million, right? That's sort of boundary limit, right? Meaning like if you shoot for a billion, you're bound to make a hundred million. If you shoot for a thousand, you'll probably make a hundred. But it's like the possibility levels. If you set high possibilities, like you said, from reading the book to really just breaking past boundaries, I like to call them. So my next question, because relationships are obviously, when it comes to important to me sitting down with people having conversations, I think learning from you and listening to the podcast with drama I resonated with you, and that's really why I wanted to sit down with you. What would you say from an intense standpoint of relationships and communication has been, like, critical? Because I think I meet a lot of young people. They may not have the communication skills. Let's say they run into a celebrity. Yeah. They are all, like, woohoo, and that kind of turns people off. Like, what have you, have you learned from meeting these successful people not only to just carry a conversation but to – resonate with them on, like you said, a human-to-human level, you know? Because I think some people that I meet or that I've met, I think it comes down to just the relationship standpoint, the communication skills that you have that can really turn into you meeting all these people, right? Because, like, if you don't have good communication skills or you can't follow up or whatever, so, to like, to simplify things, what has been some of the most critical communication slash relationship tactics, I'd say, that you've used or Thinking back, that you can say, oh, wow, like I use that, that has really allowed you to not just meet them, but just actually build relationships with people in a sense. Yeah, what
1: I learned is that, and this happened to me without me even knowing. It wasn't a conscious thing that I did, but it was something that was yeah. really helpful. I really, since I was 18, because I was trying to make this book happen, I would go around to different events, entrepreneurial events, yeah. and I would talk to people. And I would get mentors and how to email with them back and forth. And their communication style started rubbing off on me. Yeah. I would start writing emails the way like my yep. mentor would write emails. I, feel that. I would do and sometimes it could, I, I went too far because sometimes really successful people can be really casual over email yeah. and I would make that mistake sometimes.
0: Yep.
1: Um But what I realized is that a lot of people who are just starting out, they spend all their time hanging out with their you know their buddies back at school, or their yeah. buddies from their hometown who are just sort of putzing around and stuff. Yeah. And then when you go to these events and stuff, you're using the communication styles of your buddies, yeah. you know, because you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yep. And it's a cliche for a reason because it's true. F- facts. <laughs> it's, a, it's a cliche for a reason. You really are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You're also the average of you know the 20 people who give you the best advice mm-hmm. and if you're spending all of your time you know just fooling around and messing around with your buddies or with you know your boyfriend and girlfriend yeah. whatever um, when you find yourself in those situations you're not going to be as polished and as prepared as yeah. if you were Spending, you know, even if you're in college and you're at the entrepreneurship club, it's a lot better than being at X or Y fraternity or sorority or you know,
0: yeah, four kegs deep, (laughs) right?
1: And you know, there's a time and place for all of that. But if you are really intent about figuring out how to break into a certain echelon or community, you need to just start immersing yourself in that.
0: Definitely, just putting yourself where you just naturally learn and. Like, like, for example, we're at an event this weekend, and there's a lot of people, like, this guy spoke today. He, he's doing, like, $164 million this year, and it's just, like, I feel like just talking to him, it, like, gives me the insights of, like, dang, like, this dude, like you said, he's a human, he's making jokes, and, like, it helps me resonate, and I think from that, I think the biggest thing I could take away is just, like, obviously putting yourself in rooms where you're the person that can learn the most, you know? Because there's this quote where it's, like, never be the smartest person in the room for too long because then it's, like, you can't absorb the knowledge from other people, right? would you agree?
1: absolutely, and when you surround yourself with really smart people who you really admire, not just their achievements but their lifestyle, yeah, how they you know their happiness, their kindness, it rubs off, and yeah. you learn you know I remember when I was first starting out, I thought you know success was who had a private jet or who yeah. had this or who had that and you know, when you start hanging out with people who actually, like, are really, really like wealthy, <laughs> you learn that, like, you know, there's a phrase, uh, a full pig, a full piggy bank doesn't make a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. You know, if you shake yeah, a yeah. full piggy bank, yeah. it's... it's it yeah, but silent. a broke one does.
0: Right. Okay.
1: Um, so, the people who mm. actually really do have not only wealth but are making an impact and are happy they're not the ones running around you know flashing yeah. you know expensive cars or this or that they're focused on their work they're focused yeah. on their family um, they're focused on their own happiness on giving back yep. and those are the people who I really look up to yeah. not just the ones who are on the cover of magazines but also the ones who are really making a difference and are enjoying their life
0: that's amazing amazing yeah, we've been talking for an hour now. That's that's crazy when you get in a conversation how time can go. I love it, man. Well thank you again. Uh, absolutely. So last thing to wrap it up. So when it comes I want to touch on this, so social media in general, obviously that's how we connected and from a young standpoint that's how I've been able to really connect with a lot of people is building a brand and like immersing myself into this space of getting people on interviews or having a podcast or whatever. So with this current standpoint of social media, from branding business standpoint, What's your initial just thoughts on it when it comes to like building a personal brand? Number one, like how port- how important is it is it to you, and do you think it's important? And this could be a simple answer, but I just want to touch on that because I I do talk a lot about personal branding and the power of building a personal brand to obviously, I would say associate yourself with other people, connect with people. So in the social media world, to be exact, what's your thoughts on it, and how important is it to you?
1: Um. The reason it's important to me is because it is a gateway. What I care – this is the thing. I joke with my friends, like, I think J.K. Rowling who wrote Harry Potter has, like, a really awesome life because okay. she doesn't need to be, like, on Instagram doing stories. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Harry Potter is Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but for me, I'm very cognizant of, like, the way young people discover things is on Instagram, on the Discover yeah. page, or they stumble upon someone's story and they yep. click a link and
0: dramas podcast, dramas
1: podcast, shit like
0: that. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, I've gotten a ton of emails from readers just the past couple weeks yeah, saying that they discovered me at three o'clock in the morning when they wow. were just scrolling on Instagram. They didn't even know like how they found my – yeah. they, they, they always say I don't even know how I found yep. your page when yeah. I was on there and I saw your book and it changed my life. Yeah. And to me like the real end goal or like is the wisdom in the pages yep. but the Instagram page or the podcast or whatever yep. it is, is your, you know, your front door. Yep. And it doesn't matter if it's a book or if it's a business or whatever yep. you're doing – these platforms are really your way to interact with people and welcome them into your world at scale (laughs) at scale
0: yes absolutely wow that was amazing last question wrap it up i know we've been talking for a while but in regards to just like i think it's super cool because i i look at you and it's like wow like you were this dude in college you see this thing on facebook and like uh, there's this quote where it's like you don't recognize I think Steve Jobs says it's like you don't see the story looking forward you can always tell it looking backwards I, I, that's not the exact lines you can only
1: connect the dots looking back exactly you can't connect them looking
0: forward. yeah so me looking at that and hearing your story and just like in this moment I think about so much when it comes to just like you were just doing things and obviously you had the end goal in mind but you were making stuff happen you know it's like you were sitting outside of that store you see Larry King you don't just not react you're reactive you know it's like I think there's a lot of there's a big difference between like reactive and active and you were someone that's actively putting in the work of getting in front of the people and making it happen sending the emails 32 to be exact to Tim Ferriss so last question to wrap it up is like throughout the process throughout meeting the people in the book now what would you say is the main intent moving forward just with the book in general I know before we started the podcast you said now it's like you want to get the book out you want to get it in front of everyone and obviously all the links and stuff will be in the link in the description this will be all over Instagram and stuff but moving forward it's like hearing the story it's like you hear the start and then boom the book's out I know we connected right before it dropped what's next like when it comes to the book the promotion the impact like what is Alex doing now moving forward so it
1: feels like I'm on like a second journey. You know, The okay. first journey was the seven-year journey of writing the book yep. and getting the interviews and putting it all together in a way that not only I'm so proud of but also really gives people an emotional journey that touches their lives. Yeah. And I'm really proud of the way those seven years went. It's amazing. And now it feels like it's almost part two of the journey, okay. the second half. Okay. And it's about me learning – how to share this message as far and wide as possible mm-hmm. and I'm I'm like three weeks into this next
0: That's second sick. half yes. you know
1: if the first half was seven years I have no idea how long the second yep. half is going to take but I feel like I'm just getting started and again it goes it all comes down to changing what people believe is possible yep
0: changing their possibilities well amazing well that wraps it up everyone listening and I just, I, I just want to before I end it it's like Dude, rewind this and watch it again. Like literally, I would listen to it twice. The first time I heard it, because like the first time I heard this story, it was like, how did the prices right lead to sitting down with Bill Gates and all these people? Like, I was like, it's so interesting. I never, it's it's a unique story that I, I really like. Am passionate about just sitting down with you because I think it was something where I don't, you don't hear unique stories like that. It's like college and then like sitting down with these amazing people it's it's crazy and i admire you for just what you've been able to do and i definitely look up to you so that being said at the end of the day everyone listening you can only do so much from this podcast but i need you to go pick up his book because i'm actually i ordered like 10 of them when you first dropped it Got it. I haven't dove into it yet, but now we're in LA. We got two fresh copies. I'm sure the plane ride will be a lot easier now. But that being said, everyone, like I said, the book will be in the description below. Make sure you go check it out. Let me know. DM me after you've read it. Once you order it, send me pictures, screenshots, because I would love to know your thoughts on the book. And I would love to connect with everyone that's listening today. And that being said, thank you everyone for tuning in to the Rise of the Young podcast. And I will see you guys in the next episode.